Stupid Hearts Club is yours to enjoy for free wherever you get your podcasts. But if you've fallen deeply in love with the show, or me, even though that's a bit weird because we've never met, then you might want to consider supporting the show via patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club for about five or a month you can indulge in your sick little fantasy that i am your very own little audio husband friend without ever having to deal with the fact that in real life i leave socks and half drunk glasses of water everywhere either way i'm very happy you're here so please enjoy the show Hearts Club podcast. This episode was recorded while my podcast was still called GSOH. Don't be confused, you're in the right place. GSOH, the podcast from Nico to Taravich, in which uh, in ways tries with a sense of humor to with guests sometimes just one's on his own it's on Patreon at all protected Danon hello hello my darlings and welcome to GSOH episode 10 I never thought necessarily that I would get this far now we have to find ways to help me make it all the way to 11 like the amplifier in the spinal taps. <laughs> Little comedy reference for you then. Hi everyone. Really nice to be chatting to you. Some some weeks I have to wait till I'm in a good enough mood to just want to fucking chat for an hour and a half or an hour or however long this ends up being. Um, and I'm feeling pretty good today. Got my cup of tea, got my washing hung up. My washing machine has stopped rattling. Don't know why it was doing that. But it's stopped, and it's just one of those little victories that you will take all day long, especially when life is kicking you in the nuts, which sometimes it does. Anyway, yeah, feeling good. Sunny day. Summer keeps disappearing, and then a little cheeky bonus. A bit of warmth creeps in, and you just go, yes, I will soak up the vitamin D. Of that, there is no doubt, he says, um, trying not to go into an Alan Partridge voice, because Matthew wouldn't like it, would he? He'd phone me. Matthew Morgan gets angry when I lean into things that other people make their careers out of, and it makes him give me bad advice, which I still think needs to be a proper item. Bad advice from Matt Morgan, and then just snippets of Matt's texts or messages to me where he's telling me what I should be doing in his voice. You know what you should do? You know you know you know what you don't wanna do. You know what you should well you know what you should do. Bad advice The Matt Morgan speciality from Matt Morgan Anyway that's not to say that he never um has good advice. He does. He just doesn't give it to me. 
Talking of over-relying or um, and being annoyingly um, guilty of doing uh, half-arsed, half-quality Alan Partridge impressions, impressions, I did have a uh, a nice chat with Terry, my not, the king of the Alan Partridge impression, and we will have him on in the next couple of weeks, uh, depending on his filming schedule. I was basically ringing him just because he's a lovely guy and we've got each other's backs. But also just to say, hey, uh, I was just driving down the M1 last week, Sunday, on the way back from a trip with the lads, right, on a canal barge up in Yorkshire, which I'm going to tell you about in a minute. But I was driving down the motorway last Sunday and for some reason I absolutely hit the exact right frequency and depth of the partridge voice and I got so excited because I was doing it for about half an hour just talking to myself but I couldn't I didn't have any means of recording it which wasn't because it wasn't safe but then I was like okay voice notes press record and it's like the the car knew I was the phone knew I was in a car and it, I'd press record and it'd do it for like a second and just thought shut up forget it do it when you get home so I, I uh, got home couldn't do it anymore couldn't do it anymore. I'll try now. I'll try now. But I've already said to Terry, Terry, I got so fucking close, man. Like it was happening. And I need you to be the judge. So would can we do a podcast and dick around, but also do like an Allen lesson? And he said, yes. Anyway, I did do him some voice notes, but I know they weren't up to the standard of whatever was going on in my car. So now pressure's on. I know this won't be it. Don't think that I think by any means that I've got it. Because anyone who's listened to the show before or heard me and Matt Morgan talking about it on his show, there are times you think you've got an impression sorted and then you hear someone just take it to another level. So if, if any of you are new to this, I can just tell you that Terry Minot, who you can find on Instagram and who also is has regular content happening on Twitch, which is very, very funny and high quality. He's just fucking unbelievable at Partridge. So, yeah, I am starting talking about Partridge, Matthew, but that's because it fits into it fits into the groove of how this week has gone. Uh, yeah, work. It's not going to happen. Uh, what, what, what I realised uh, uh, in the car was that uh, no, it's not happening. It's not fucking happening. What? How did I do it? How was it? Come on, come on, you can do this. Um, uh, I am currently driving down the M1, and uh, I just haven't got the confidence. I can't fucking do it today. But I'll come back to it, and when I nail it, even in a voice note or whatever, I'll put it up. It's like. Grasping for a memory, and you can't get it. You can you can hear the memory, but you can't think the memory. When you're trying to remember something, you go, ah, I can taste what I'm trying, ah, but it doesn't come. And that is uh, quite. Oh, I fucking can't do it. Just bin this. This is the end of this bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, what's been happening this week? As I said, little segue. I. Last weekend, went on a two-nighter up the canal, the Leeds-Liverpool Canal, with my top three lads that I've known the longest from Manchester. The boys, 
the lads. And we were on a canal barge for two nights, two days, cruising, four miles an hour, sometimes six, past the sheep, past the cows, past lots of fields. And it was fucking great. Good for the soul, let me just say. And maybe some of you are with your best mates all the time, but lots of us live miles away from your proper old homies. I can only say, whatever you're going through, whatever's going on in your life, organise time with your proper mates, the people who know you. And apart from having a laugh and getting pissed and whatever, there's just something you get from it, a little bit like why you need sunlight, you know what I mean? Or like fresh air. Like you can have a horrible hangover and go for a walk in the fresh air and somehow it it helps. Just the fucking swearing. Sorry about that. Just this sort of history the, the the lack of need for an, for any backstory is in itself, let me say, deeply relaxing. But the other thing that is deeply relaxing, right, is being on a boat that is basically meandering through a sort of hidden layer of society, like the jam in a cake, going four miles an hour, and occasionally going past, like, a road where everyone's stuck in traffic going, oh, fuck's sake, I'm just trying to fucking get home. And we're just like that. Not popping. What's the noise? What's the noise of a of a canal barge? Four miles an hour. I mean, that is... It's not even frustrating. It's like, fuck, hell, does this thing go any faster? It's just like, no, this is this is how you do this. Get the tunes on. Do you want a bottle of Bex? Yes, please. How are things? Terrible. Oh, don't worry. All right, then. Who do you think is going to win the league? Four hours later. Yeah, it's probably City, annoyingly. Anyway, right, so we were basically in and around the area of Skipton, um, outside Leeds, about 30 miles from Leeds. And if you've never been up there, if you've never actually seen the Yorkshire Dales, which a lot of you southerners don't really do the north, and you're missing out. I know you think it's all shiny shirts and fighting in kebab shops, but it is, in fact, probably the most glorious part of the country, Yorkshire and beyond. It's just stunning. There's loads of friendly people, loads of ace little pubs, tea shops, like everything that you get from a wanky little visit round France, but without the you-know-what haughty attitude that you get in certain villages on the Loire. Like once I went to France with my mate, we watched the film Sideways about the two mates, one of whom wants to take him round wine country, and we went, all right, vineyards, what's that? Let's try and do that. And me and my mate went and did it. Had an absolutely amazing time. But we did find that uh, the Anglais in certain parts of France are not welcome. Uh, for example, we parked in a big car park um, opposite our little hotel and woke up the next morning. And there was a market in front of it. And we had to try to 
badly ask in French. Uh, avez-vous le uh, mauvais uh, le, le marché pour les uh, Renault Scenic? Uh, um, nous sommes avec uh, les on, uh, lo, your table of onions, pour favor, because we need to get to uh, Les Alpes. Les Alpes? And they just looked at us like, oh, sorry, mate, don't understand what you're saying. Not speaking fucking French, are you? All right, I can't really hear you then. Just wouldn't even look us in the eye, wouldn't move it. All he had to do, this bloke in this market, was move a table 90 degrees to let us drive out. And he was like, no, no, uh, les, les quatre heures, les quatre heures. Come back at four o'clock. It's like, no, we, we've got plans. We're going like the next stage of our trip. No. Le marché more important, and I'm not having anyone saying this is racist. It's not racist. It's funny. Anyway, that's not. It's you won't get that in North Yorkshire. You get friendly people. Sorry, not even North Yorkshire, just Yorkshire, like the countryside. You know what I mean? You will not get that. You will get friendly people asking you. What you're doing here? How long you're here? What you're doing? You know, I mean, obviously there's not a language barrier. There is a language barrier a little bit if you're southern, because they'll be like, "What are you talking about, you fucking southern bastard?" But other than that, super, super friendly. So highly recommended, Skipton. What was the place called? Snagill Boat Hire in Skipton. Very reasonable, quality boats at quality prices. And no, I'm not being paid to say that. Mm-hmm, on. Anyway, so we're pootling along. Everything's fucking groovy, really, really chilled. But then you've got to park up, right? You're not allowed to... You've got to not make noise around other boat because people live, that's literally their home in it, on a boat. So you, you can't get too excited, but we're all fucking middle-aged, grumpy, tired men now anyway, so it didn't really matter. Anyway... We made, we had a rule. We had a did have a rule on the boat. Chemical toilet, pretty good, functional, but let's just all agree not to shit on the boat. I mean, not shit round the deck and all on the floor and that. I just mean, let's try and not poo in the toilet because we can wait until we're somewhere and you can jump off and go snip one off. You know, at a little toilet or in a pub or whatever. Except that yours truly here has got into such a bad cycle of not being able to sleep that um, I have developed the night plop, which basically I'm waking up at 2, 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning on the regular for my main ablution of the day. Now, I know that's an overshare, and I'm sorry, but there's nothing you can do. There's nowhere else open. There's, there's no other options, and let's just say... It didn't go down well. It did go down well. I mean, one yank, all gone and all that. Uh, But (laughs) a few hours later, or like the next evening, it's like, what's that? The others are going, what is that? There's there's something evil in the air. And I'm like, it might be my night plop. (laughs) They were not happy. But what are you going to do? Four in the morning, get in the canal and just... Release it into the water? I don't think so. Anyway, brilliant. Canal barging, highly recommended. Skipton, highly recommended. The beautiful village of Gargrave. 
very highly recommended ace pubs nice people etc loads of scenery and then we were trying to get back to skipton to have a pint you've got to go through all these locks and it'll take time and it's a little bit like challenge annika you run out the boat two of you doing one bit someone else is doing the gate and you've got the key and it's actually um sort of really it's quite fucking annoying that you have to do that but it's so much fun and there's no choice so you end up it all it's like quite a meditative state you get into of um almost like you feel like you're sort of in a time warp working the well not was going to say working the railways but you know working the canals because it's a it's an old system in it it's like you feel like you're using technology from like 150 years ago and there's something nice about that compared to the fast moving um crazy bullshit that we live through every day anyway so there we are trying to get back saturday night to find somewhere to dock nice little thing where we saw a little bay where there's like loads of boats parked up really cute little pub on the on the dock side uh, it's a bit full so we just go that little bit further park up jump off go for a few beers and then we realized that we were basically parked in the 100 meters of this whole canal that wasn't scenic and beautiful and we parked basically opposite an abandoned bus station with a poundland <laughs> and and like flashing lights coming out of a really dodgy bar with very out of tune karaoke coming out of it um like sort of a really shrill yorkshire voice singing you know didn't we almost have it all by whitney houston or something like that which was about right that isn't actually what anyone was singing but that's a nice idea isn't it didn't we almost have it all you bastard anyway <laughs> we parked up fucking got no choice now eight o'clock engine off or you're breaking the rules fine no problem night out but of course it was like the roughest nightclub in town so we all got back from our night out full of shit kebabs and uh, lager and then proceeded to all lie awake listening to car park shouting and fights until the very early hours of the morning a um, couple of things I've missed out there that I should actually go back and fill in firstly, night number one my mate wakes me up in the morning alright, are you alright? I'm like, no, I didn't really sleep that well and all three of them are like, fuck off, you fucking twat. Your snoring kept us all awake for hours. And I'm like, ah, I thought I hadn't slept. Apparently, the snoring I was doing, and God knows I wish I had the audio of this. Apparently, the snoring I was doing wasn't even like like old man snoring. My mates described it <laughs> as an angry roar, right? So it wasn't like... No, apparently I was going like <laughs> You know, like basically like a kid trying to be a monster Right? For hours And part of me, I did feel terrible Because it's like, oh shit lads, I'm sorry that you had to Why didn't you wake me up? Why didn't you nudge me? Why didn't you turn me around? Apparently, I was even I was on my side doing it, so I wasn't even on my back. It was just a, ah, <laughs> I'm relaxing. I'm letting out the maybe I was just letting out all the tension and bile and hatred that I carry around in me. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is so nice. Yeah. 
Anyway, I am very sorry, boys. But it was also very worrying because if I ever end up, you know, like with um, a significant other who's actually in the same house as me, living my life with me, that is going to be a problem. So I was like, look, if this happens again, please record it. I need to hear what's going on. I might even need to go to a sleep clinic or something. But apparently I didn't do it the next night. What a fucking cracking ending to a story. No, but uh, yeah, a bit weird. I don't know if anyone else out there has suffered serious snoring problems. Is there any apps you recommend to keep an eye on it? Any uh, little tips? Would be fun thing to talk about in the comments, guys. The other thing that I should mention is on night number two, when we've gone out and had a beer, is the, uh, you know, the ubiquitous end of night search for badly cooked hot meat and we asked a local you know where what's the top tip round here for night meats and this geezer said to me oh easy get stuffed and then we both laughed because the place is obviously called get stuffed partly because you get stuffed full of food but also if anyone says where'd you get that kebab mate they'll go get stuffed and then you go i'll smash your face in and then you have a fight very funny it the whole thing is very very funny but anyway so yeah get stuff mate and he, gave, he made the perfect sign Ooh, c'est magnifique le get stuffed now i'm going to upload i should well by now if you're listening to this you'll see that i have uploaded a snapshot of the decor in get stuffed which was terrifying and bright and yeah just not not a good sign of of the, of the food. And the other thing that wasn't a good sign, and you can't be a snob about kebab shops because, as we all know, it's a fucking turkey shoot, in it, Or a chicken shoot, or a lamb shoot, or whatever. But the main issue for me, and there was basically three kebab shops in a little triangle opposite each other, next to rough pub that looked like where sailors drink, opposite screaming karaoke nightclub... Two two of the lads went chose one, and I was like, nah, that just looks even more feral to me. I'm going for Get Stuffed. Waiting to Get Stuffed with one of my mates. And we are... I've got to admit, I was looking at the food thinking, please, Jesus, please let this be okay. Wasn't brilliant. But they were friendly. All right, the windows were so smeared that it basically looked like a sort of celebratory wall of people's hands you know, where everyone's going, oh, yeah, hey, look, I, I was here too, whatever. It's like, just give him a wipe. Just give him a wipe. That's the main thing that diseases are on, in it? Hands, just give it a fucking wipe. You're making food in there, lads. You're making food. Don't, don't leave your windows covered in visible smears and then have strip lights on in the inside. It's basically like a fucking germ showcase before you get in. Welcome to Dirty Handland. Anyway, we went in. We're pissed, so it doesn't matter, does it? Who's in there? One guy getting a kebab. Me and my mate. Then a couple came in. He looked like a very... He looked like... What can I describe? Like a guy who's been a boxer all his life. He's now a bit older and still looks after himself with his girlfriend. Just looked like he could handle himself to the extent that he safe wherever he goes which is not how I feel in any situation because if there's a fight um, I'm almost certain that I'll die in it 
right? So me and my mate stood there, and then in walks this geezer who was walking. Like I don't know if any, those of you who've seen the movie, my favourite film. It's in my top three films anyway of all time. One of my favourite writers of all time. The much underrated, actually in real life, tragic but very talented Andrea Dunbar wrote Rita Sue and Bob 2, originally a play, and The Arbor, which was also a play. They got put together and made into the film Rita Sue and Bob 2. Now, Rita Sue and Bob 2, which we discovered, this this bunch of lads, to be fair, discovered when we were sort of teenagers, that was like a comedy film to us, but actually it was based on Andrea Dunbar's real life, and there's a lot of stuff in it that reads very, very funny, but in fact... She had a very dysfunctional, squalid, difficult life, and yeah, that was pretty rough. But the film is a northern classic. If you've never seen Rita Sue and Bob 2, I don't even know if we can have this conversation anymore, babe. I can't even talk to you anymore if you haven't seen Rita Sue and Bob 2. What a film. Unbelievable. Brilliant performances from George Costigan and the other ones who were... They very recognisable ladies from things like Coronation Street and lots of other northern dramas. Classic, absolutely classic. Anyway, at the very the opening shot of Rita Sue and Bob Two is, I think it's Rita's dad. Um, staggering back from the pub. Like the best comedy drunk I've ever seen in my life, whilst people off the estate kind of sort of like watch him staggering back to his flat and this bloke was walking like that like basically Paul Calf did a similar sort of trembly knee Steve Coogan as Paul Calf did a similar kind of level of drunk of like a bit of a wobbly head like this guy he was in actually pristine mod style gear right but he was knocking on a bit he was about 60 his clothes were pristine but his skin was Biltong, leather, hard life, looked like he'd done time, swallow tattoo on his hand, black, slightly moddy hair, a bit, I'll say this in the confidently assuming that I'll never see him again, if anyone remembers Prisoner Cell Block H, he looked like Lizzie off Cell Block H, right? But he looked like you wouldn't mess with him, so he he staggered up to the counter. We've ordered our kebabs. He walks walks up, burger and chips, sits down, fucking bollocks like that. We're just waiting, sort of already aware of him. Two minutes later, no way his food could have been ready yet. Where's me fucking burger? You taking fucking piss? Oh god! All right, so I look at my mate. My mate looks at me. Where you're sort of doing that thing where, brilliant, this is funny, but it sort of also isn't funny. And I kind of clocked the couple who were together as well. I think, well, thank fuck he's here because I don't fancy my chances against fucking Switch Switchblade McTavish over there. Anyway, a couple more minutes and he walks up, fucking staggers up. Oh, fuck, he stood next to my mate. But then it takes a dark turn and it... That the overall incident is now funny, but it wasn't funny because he then goes disappointingly into the racism bag, doesn't he? Three Asian guys behind the counter, just fucking getting on with their jobs, cooking food, and he just goes, "Oh come you lot are ticking over, 
How come you Al-Qaeda are taking over the world? I just go, oh, fuck's sake, no. And th- and this poor kid is like, what? Like, are we? You know, am I? I thought I was fucking cooking beef on a griddle for not much pounds an hour and for dickheads like you. But no, apparently I'm taking the fucking world over. Bless his fucking heart. Must deal with it all the time. But still, it, they look like genuinely surprised that someone was being aggressive. So, fingers crossed they don't get too many knobheads. But this guy... You know what I'm talking about. You Muslims and all that. And I'm thinking, oh, here we fucking go. It's the fucking EDL over fucking 58s. But my mate surprises me by turning around to him and goes, Hey, leave it out. You're out of order. And I'm like, what are you fucking doing? He might have a knife. I basically, I basically, in those situations, inwardly, I have got a moral sense of duty. If anything happened to me, mate, I'd jump in and get battered. <laughs> Let's be fair, that's what would happen. And we both get stabbed. Brilliant, can't wait. But at the same time, I'm thinking, oh, God. So I'm like, I'm basically like um, the McGann brother out of, uh, which one of the, was it Paul McGann? The one, whichever McGann it is that's in with Nail and I when they go to the pub. <laughs> and um, they one of them goes to the toilet and like, that big Northern Irish guy shouts, perfume pants. Perfume pants. El murder the periods. Anyway, my mate challenges him and says, "What are you doing? Leave it out. You're out of order." They're not. T- this guy isn't taking over anything, mate. He's cooking you food, right? He's 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 here just trying to earn a living, cooking you food, and it's not on. And I'm thinking, oh, great, we're being fucking heroes, are we? And getting stabbed to death in a f- opposite Poundland in fucking Skipton. Nice one, mate. Just what I needed. But the other, the good part of my brain is stepping back a bit and I'm trying to remember something. I'm trying to remember techniques from this little Collins Gem SAS self-defence book that I've had at home for years because it's got funny pictures in it, which I will be taking you through later. Ah, oh, fucking hell, what am I going to have to do here? Right, and I was, I was remembering that when my son was doing Krav Maga, I picked up a few little tips. Like, I'm at an angle where if he goes for my mate, I'll be able to just throw his head back punch him in the Adam's apple and hopefully then my mate will be able to batter him and I'll be able to carry on just running off and watching through the smeared <laughs> through the window smeared hands going yeah it looks like I think he's winning you can't really tell through the through the smears yeah that looks like Don's jacket that's doing the punching while I cower outside like Scooby-Doo <laughs> but but uh, to my surprise what actually happened and Don handled it Don, my friend, hello Don, I'm sure he'll be enjoying this, handled it really fucking well. He basically, it's like he was assertive enough that this lad, I say lad, he was, he must have been in his late 50s, he sort of, it's like the Jedi mind trick worked on him and he and he, he stood for a minute with his head wobbling like that and I thought, here we go, which pockets the knife in? And instead he went, do you know what, you're right, I've been a cunt there. I'm sorry, lads. I've been a cunt there. I don't, you know, I'm sorry, hey, sound there. Eh? You're all fucking sound. I'm sorry about that. You know, no, no problem, no problem. I take it back. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I'm fucking. I'm a cunt, me. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, am I? Who do I even think I am? I'm a cunt. Got his burger and fucked off. And I was like, well, fucking played. But also, what are you doing? Let's not get 
our fucking heads kicked in. But no, he did the right thing. He stuck up. It was anti-racism at its finest. And um, cowardly, half-hearted support at its finest from myself. So I salute you, Don. And I don't salute you, tattoo, um, racist, drunk, idiot man. Even though you showed glimpses of self-reflection. Just go that bit further next time and just don't be a cunt. And that concludes the boating section of GSOH. That's quite enough for that. Well, yes. So another thing that sort of links quite nicely is um, the little story there about um, what would have been a rubbish fight had I been involved in it. And the recollection of try, trying to remember sort of self-defense moves. And it remind it reminds me, or it reminded me, and I've got it with me now, is that years ago, I had a, or still got it. God, I'm fucking good at telling this story, aren't I? <laughs> Just whistles! I've got a Collins Gem SAS self-defense book that fit in the palm of your hand, which is handy because then you can use it as a fucking weapon to fucking smash someone's nose. Um, must be about 15 years old, right? And basically, it's one of them where you're near the till at like Waterstones or whatever, and then you see a funny little book and you pick it up and you go, oh, <laughs> that's funny. I'll glance at that occasionally when I'm on the toilet. And it's full of photographs, very badly staged photographs of what to do in various violent incidents. And it is fucking funny. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to in quite an amateur way literally just take pictures of some of the pictures and put them up for your delectation and we can have a laugh at uh, some of them one of them for example one of them which you'll by now well not by now actually I'll probably will put these up on Sunday evening basically because it's like 15 years old the pictures who the people who are modeling in, in the sort of scenarios where you've got someone, like, blocking a punch and then stabbing someone with a pen, <laughs> the clothes they're wearing are hilariously uh, out of date. And they're normal, sort of like, obviously they're not cool people anyway, it's just kind of like, I don't know who the fuck they are, but there's this big fat sort of bloke that looks like Ringo Starr, and then a sort of <laughs> man with a cut-off T-shirt that looks like a sort of shit Sean Bean and um, there's a lot of good moves in there. I'm sure they're very good moves, but the, the photography is beautiful, like uh, two pairs of <laughs> baggy, really sort of ill-fitting snow-washed jeans where one of them's knee and another person in the bollocks with a nice big baggy shirt, and then there's one where someone's scraping down someone's face with a um, hairbrush, or there's one where... Um, there's just like what looks like a really badly staged fight in an episode of Emmerdale uh, that where you can tell that there's no movement in the photograph. It's just people stood in a position of what's supposed to look like a fight. And the best picture of all in the book, which you will see in the next couple of days as I put it up, is a picture of a woman who secured <laughs> secured a man by by wrapping him three in three different parts of his anatomy with cling film right which is basically the advice 
of like if someone's broken your house after you've done this other stuff where clearly you now know how to deal with that someone's broken your house you've stabbed him with a pen you've need him in the bollocks wearing your baggiest jeans <laughs> he's on the floor and he's thinking well if he wakes up he's going to get out of here don't worry about it just reach for the cling film wrap him around the shins around the midriff and then around like the arms around the body and get out of that sunshine get out of that you cunt as uh, as you say in those situations um, by the look of it, it probably works. There's another really good one of what looks like an attack with a carefully folded kettle flex. That looks quite effective. Um, just actually probably really useful. Like how to how to break someone's face with, with your thumb. You know what I mean? One of them books. Can't wait for you to have a look at it. Um, I'll put that up this week. Now, the other thing about finding that book apart from just it reminding me what a pussy I am and how I sort of really secretly, I wish, I still believe in some ways that at some point I'm going to do enough. Uh, I'm going to join some sort of class, Krav Maga, Karate, some, something anyway, where finally, it's my fantasy that finally I've got enough techniques up my sleeve that the next time something like what happened in Skipton happens is that I won't even think twice. I'll just go through the guy smash his face in, rip his head off, and wrap him in cling film. It's it's just like this unscratched man itch that I've got that I've never handled a violent situation and um, sort of just feels a bit wrong. You sort of feel like you should be able to protect, especially in matters of uh, injustice and, uh, you know, where someone's been bullied or racism's happening or a woman's in trouble or... Whatever, you just don't want to be like this just fucking pathetic balsa wood man who can't can't handle it. But, uh, yeah, it won't be long until that's who I am. Anyway, the reason that, uh, or the place that, uh, that I uh, had this SAS book hidden reminded me of another thing that, that leads me on to a deeper story about my... Um, the... the the journey, if you like, of my getting into comedy. And it happened this week with someone who's going to be a guest, if not next week, the week after. And that is a lad called Miles Chapman, who I've mentioned before, who I'm uh, currently developing a uh, a show with that we're pitching and stuff, which I won't bore you with in case it never happens. But we, yeah, we're working on a thing and hanging out and we're having like the good part of um, working on a new idea with someone is that no one can tell you what it is and what it isn't yet and you've got to sort of rack each other's brains for mad references and um and just share your passion a little bit and it's a really nice way to spend time even though at that point no one's fucking paying you to do that bit you know that is like what being any sort of artist is isn't it it's sort of going here's my hunch let's put a certain amount of time into following following an idea and see where it goes. So Miles was um, Miles will be on. We'll talk about all that when when he comes on. And I think I've teed him up before. Our relationship, a little bit like with Griggs, but a lot worse, is awful. It's basically like a really awful, icky dynamic where I'm the disappointed one, and he's the sort of man child, and uh, it's very aggressive and dysfunctional, like a married couple that hate each other. And it's like a joke we can't get out of a little bit like how me and Matt do our 
Nana sort of shtick. It's a bit like that. But anyway, you'll love him. He's good fun. I'll get him on soon. But anyway, he was in my uh, office when we were working on this idea. And we were... Both of us have a pretty decent memory for mad old documentaries and moments in specific moments in documentary and that's what's led to this um, comedy idea that we're working on and matt morgan's the same you know absolutely like uh and one of one of the shared uh that sort of uh, where the venn diagram crosses something that we've all um seen is a classic old documentary about the hell's angels which is on youtube which i think me and matt have talked about before but we were talking about all that stuff and whatever and we we were we were basically looking at a lot of old documentary footage for this idea, and I was remembering then something that wasn't on TV but was an incredible reaction to a massive news story from twenty years ago. Basically, when nine eleven happened, six months after nine eleven happened, um, the newspapers sort of mark. I mean, it was such a huge, huge just landmark event in in all of our lives if you if you were alive then that um six months after the event certainly the guardian and a few other papers did a kind of sort of where 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 are we now sort of catch up sunday pull out special edition of their you know like where are we going what's happened since what's the big picture what do we know that we didn't know then all that so there was basically supplements in the newspapers that weekend that were exploring us trying to process the massive events of 9-11. Now, unbelievably, on the, in the same um, edition of the paper that Sunday, The Observer printed a tabloid-sized, full, four-page colour newspaper pullout that was a comedy-slash-spoof version of the news reporting of the newly named War on Terror. And it was written, or or if you like, um, edited by Chris Morris and Armando Iannucci. And it is it has to be seen to be believed. I have a copy of it with me. It's kind of incredible. And the reason I've got it is because back then... I had um, not done any comedy yet, I think, 2001? No, I hadn't hadn't done any comedy yet, but what I was doing was I was always seeing things that I thought, oh, that's funny, that's that's the sort of thing I should write about or, or take the piss out of or communicate in some way, but I had no fucking idea how comedy worked. So I'd basically cut things out or keep things or buy things like this, the SAS book or this article or something I'd see in a magazine where I'd think... Uh, I, I, f I feel something about that. I feel like I'd like to relay that in a comedic way, but I had no idea how to do it. So I just kept it in a box with the word comedy written on the box. And then over about three years, that box got full of stuff that was that was basically going, why haven't you written about me? What are you going to do with me? You said that I was funny. When are you going to turn me into comedy? And I'd be like, I don't know how to turn it into comedy. I don't know. And the box began to mock me, basically. Still full this day to, to this day to stuff that I collected or little notes that I wrote or little like pages of ideas just with fucking no idea what to do with it. It's kind of quite intriguing now. 20 years on, 
to open that box and go through it and go, wow, um, this is basically the box of a frustrated coward um, that just had no point of reference to what what the leap is into doing comedy. And, you know, I had much to learn. And it's kind of interesting now, 20 years on, to be at a point where, yeah, I have done that for a living for about 15 years now, or at least for, for most of my living for 15 years. And it's kind of nice looking back and thinking, oh, bless you, you didn't have a clue. And you know what? You've done all right and all that. But also it's kind of interesting as well because it was like, man, the the passion and the love for finding things that were funny when you're hungry and when you don't really, you, you sort of can't even conceive of how that could be a job or whatever. You're just like deeply interested in why things are funny and taking them apart and talking about it. It was kind of nice to be re reconnected by opening this box and talking about that with, with Miles on just that part of you that loves something and obviously I was a massive comedy fan at that point and it's weird because I still am a massive comedy fan but almost now I don't want to make myself sound bitter and unprofessional mm, that wouldn't be true but like I would not go to that level anymore of looking for that stuff and collecting it and I would almost to a point vaguely avoid watching too much comedy because that's what I'm thinking about in my job so it's kind of weird it's like the flip side of ambition is uh, but it's very sweet to be reminded of how you love something and it always turns out when I see I don't I think I think music people probably feel like this as well hey it's always great to find new stuff and go oh my god that's really interesting that the 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 art form keeps evolving and but actually I don't think I'll ever love anything like the stuff that I loved then when I was thinking, oh, I want to do that, watching people, the big trains, the Armando Iannucci, the Chris Morris stuff, the Coogan stuff, the League of Gents, but, you know, also comedy movies going back years, Peter Sellers, Morecambe and Wise, all that old stuff, and, and being, but also respecting both, respecting everything that's on the sort of string of beads along the way that leads from this quite polite, family-oriented stuff, but they've still got something very funny and homely in the middle of it. But then onto this, like this, that era, 20 years ago, 2000, 2001, 2002, late 90s to early 2000s, comedy, I think, was at its edgiest. Certainly in this country, you had Jam and Blue Jam, which were Chris Morris things, and, and obviously The Day-to-Day -Day and Brass Eye. And the thing about what Chris Morris was doing is he pushed that, as sort of Bill Hicks was doing as well in stand-up. They were taking it to the edge of, um, what can I say here that is theoretically really edgy and controversial and whatever, but by now they've bought enough respect from their audience that you know that what the person's doing is exploring how far you can go and something be funny. And no, and and some moments, bits of it, and this this pull out in this newspaper, it's actually quite shocking to see now. There's just no way on earth that that an editor of a newspaper now would would let the possible confusion happen, where a very serious macabre event where people lost their lives 
could be written about with humour alongside the real news. And yet, at the same time, by its very nature, that thing was pull-outable as something that you could pull out and say, put that to one side, this is different from the other bit of the newspaper. So it respected the audience, and then it let you make your mind up whether you wanted to read that and thought it was funny, or whether you were like, what the fuck is this? This is terrible. Screw it up, throw it in the bin. That is basically, to me, that is a more mature attitude to comedy, and it's something that we, at this moment, have lost. We've really lost it, but then I can't deny that looking at the actual the piece itself, you go, that was sort of hashtag too soon. Fucking hell. And... Um, you know, I sincerely hope that nobody in their right mind would ever look back on that and then write about it unfavourably and then try and make Chris Morris or Armando Iannucci into something cancellable or anything like that. It's fucking genius. It's actually fucking genius. Actually, I think what I'm going to do, I'm not going to dig it out now. I'm going to discuss it with Matthew. When, when Matthew's next on, I want to pull that apart. That is amazing. We'll have a good old chat about that. And you can hear two nanas wanking themselves off about their comedy knowledge. Let's change gear. <laughs> Thanks, girls. Right. Quick update. I know you like to know how Nana's health is. How are you, Nana? You all right, Nana? How are you feeling? How have you been sleeping? Are you feeling better? Not really. I had one week of being on sleeping tablets, thanks for asking. I was given a week's worth of sleeping tablets by Dr. Lin, and he said that if you try and kick your circadian rhythms back into touch with these, and if it, then when you finish them, I think you should start taking some melatonin. And if that doesn't work, we'll discuss having you put down. Because, actually... It's becoming quite boring, you coming back here every month to say that, you's, that you've that you got breasts and you can't sleep. But there you go. Um, yeah, um, fucking hell, I am still not managing to sleep. Mood's quite a bit better. All good, just a little mental health update. Um, but Nana, fucking just sleep is hard to come by. And then the other night, I mean, you know, all right, if in moments of high anxiety... You're going to have them moments where there's something going on in your life and then you might wake up and think about it. But then you can get overtired, get into a bad loop, and you are not sleeping for that reason. And whatever, right? So that you're, Or when you've got an injury and it hurts and you can't get... You know, we've all got these reasons we don't sleep. So then the other night I go to bed and the thing that keeps me awake this time, I'm just like, oh, fuck off now. This is just fucking stupid. And what it was, was I ate a tin of pears right? A tin of fucking pears kept me awake for about four hours. Now, I can't prove, can't prove it was a tin of pears, but basically I ate quite normally that day, didn't eat anything that that could have interfered with me, but for some reason, uh, you know, I had a little bear, little Del Monte pears, little heart, three halves of a pear, or three, no, six halves of pears, little bowl, bit of yoghurt, one of the pears was hard, Right, that's the thing. I think that's what happened. My, my my little nana tummy couldn't break it down, and it became a sort of fucking four-hour epic, groaning, grumbling, gurgling, feeling sick, needing to do some sausages, just fucking from three till 
fucking seven in the morning. Night ruined, next day ruined. Nana in bed with a grumpy face all the next day. Just fucking give me a break. I'm eating fruit to try and just have a nice little, instead of having a dessert, and you, and, and that's how you repay me. Hmm, is this your kind of a joke, whoever's upstairs? Uh, Nana's trying to look after herself. Then uh, this is how you treat mom. Uh, fucking annoying. Does anyone else have stupid things that, that mess with them, um, you know, like with your stomach? We all know about Matthew and his... Um, gluten intolerance i mean fair enough that's a it's a defined thing i don't think i've got a defined thing i'm just fucking made of basically princess meat it's fucking pathetic and i watch you see these people on programs doing like sas challenges or like my mate who who was with us on the trip who's a you know a cop and they do like all night fucking jobs and they you have to train and you get people like Hazy, who, who Matt talks to, um, Hayes Outdoors, who's like, Yeah, I've just done three I've just done three peaks in my bare feet and slept in a cave. And I'm like oh, I just fucking don't know. Why am I such a fucking pussy? What do you what do you gotta do to the guy? I mean you put me in the army and on day two the the, 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 the lieutenant the generals or whoever lieutenants Whoever, whoever's in charge of keeping everyone's spirits up, it would just shoot me in the head because I'd be holding everyone back and everyone would just laugh and move on. Just pour petrol on me and set my corpse on fire. <laughs> just fucking forget him. Funny lad, but fuck me. Not made of the right stuff. So I apologise to my gender for letting you down. Except... We are now in an enlightened age where there are no genders, so fuck you, convention. Fuck you, the patriarchy. I am going to struggle to sleep because of tinned fruit and not getting to fights in kebab shops. You can't judge me. Ooh, baby. Baby, baby, baby. Thanks, girls. So, talking of girls. Talking of girls. I've got a new feature for you. <laughs> I've got a new feature for you because in my comedy box in my office I found two copies of two very dirty magazines <laughs> I, now this is completely innocent I promise you I was actually I was actually purer back then but back back then when I was collecting funny things at some point, I've gone in a, a sexy shop, and I've seen on the on the magazine rack, I've seen some magazines for people who are trying to contact each other to have <laughs> sexual experiences, and basically personal ads, but in magazine form, with what can only be described as lo-fi readers' wives style photography and messages <laughs> so I would like to introduce to you a new <coughs> item <coughs> called farty contacts <laughs> farty contacts so here we go with a little update of the farty contacts from episode 
issue, where are we? Volume 259. Phoenix publication. You're consenting adults just trying to uh, a little spice in their lives. Um, so here we've got... Uh, maybe this should have some suave background music. Come and join Devilish Debs for some fun party oh, contacts. Come and join oh, me, Devilish Debs for some fun and games. A.O. between 11am and late. Oh, me. Dine and wear, mistress to distinct. Subs welcome, all levels. Long sessions available. Midlands. Full of fun. Give it a go. Derby couple. Come and see us. Me and my wife, Mistress Francine, are specialists. Alternative phone sex. And I do mean landline. Oh, there we go. There we go. Experience one mistress. Fully equipped with all the necessaries. Chubby Dungeness leads. Let me lead you from the white room down into the <laughs> dungeon for the kind of fate that awaits you. Things you've never dreamed of. Okay, now, Jeff in Birmingham. Attractive, blue-eyed tire fitter. 0789, ready shapely and ready to please. A444 Male 50s Naturalist uh, Likes being outside uh, Also into doggy oh, Very discreet Has got a Peugeot 305 <laughs> Naked Colin Mature friendly male Will visit ladies For a farty massage If required uh, Mutual Bottom. Attention to your bottom if required. Photograph appreciated. Someone please invent the internet. Here we go. Mature experienced male. Genuine deep relaxation massage. Ladies, nothing. Nothing to worry about here, girls. Uh, many different sensations to give that special experience. <laughs> Bespectacled loner. David, 45, bit rusty, smoker, enjoys wine, educated, <laughs> educated, enjoys wine, seeks female for long-term passionate affair, likes oral, okay, <laughs> out with it, the outdoors, poppers, <laughs> travel, <laughs> will accommodate, please, Please get in touch, please. And that's the Farty Contacts update for this week. Wow. That was fun. I think we will do that again. Um, okay, this episode is not gonna be 90 minutes long. I'm gonna um I'm gonna wrap things up. But I wanted to let you know, hopefully. We've got Matt Morgan this week. I'm also going to speak to Miles Chapman, 
and we're going to be getting Mona back on. Griggs will be back on. It's all very lovely and friendly. Oh, look, that, that was the that was almost the Ellen, wasn't it? It's all very lovely and friendly. Uh, suddenly, I am in the right part of my throat to uh, at least try to... Uh, oh, God. That was it, though, wasn't it? Uh, working with uh, the Crankies is the hardest thing I've ever done. There you go. That's about as good as I'm going to get. So, yeah, screw you, Matthew. If I need to let out a little Alan fart, that's what I'll do. And you don't get to throw me in jail and then turn the Alan key. Hello. Just got to check on the computer if that was... Yeah, that was a really good joke. So, my darlings, an hour-long episode tonight. I hope you can forgive me. I will... I've got a couple of little ideas of things that I want to do for you soon. There's going to be a lovely bit of music opening whenever Matthew's next on. I've got a really lovely little idea for that, a little bit of fun. And also I want to tell you about, not that you care maybe, but I'm going to say it anyway. I might talk about it when I'm with Matt. I've got some lovely little bits of music happening with some of the lovely patrons who, you know, I can't stress to you how great it is that... Um, you know, there's all sorts of people out there who might like listen to the podcast and like it or be a fan of Matt or whatever. But when, when we start chatting about other bits and pieces, sometimes it can lead to other things. So I have been um, starting to collaborate with a lovely guy called Chris, who is uh, a patron, who is also on Instagram and has got music out there under the name Broken Actor which he's far too shy about and who is brilliant, and we're mucking around. There's also a brilliant band called The Far North, um, and there's a guy called Lee Wilding, who I'm talking to, and a, a couple of other people. Who uh, It's just nice where you're sort of seeing what everyone other people get up to, and then you start swapping your stuff, and then you start saying, hey, that's good. You should, oh, yeah, we should do it. Yeah, why don't you? Oh, oh. Creative things can happen, guys. I think that's the thing. Pat- Patreon isn't just about whoever you're following and whatever they're doing. I think it's about everyone on there having almost been a bit of an organism. Not an orgasm. I didn't say that. An organism. So that's part of what I love about this and part of why I'm so grateful that I started it and will continue it. I'd love to uh, keep convincing you to carry on supporting me. I'm very, very grateful for everyone who supports me as I um, just about managed to deliver what I said I would deliver of a, about a podcast per week. Um, feel free to give feedback, send me messages, whatever you want to do. It's a, it's a free-spirited place, and I love, I love talking to you all. Um, there is much more to come on GSOH. Thanks for listening. Be with you in a in a in a few days. If I if I get Matt on early in the week, I might get the episode up a bit earlier than usual. Would be nice just to give you a little treat and try and throw up some bonus content. And I want to also do a special episode talking to Mona, telling the proper story of Brian, 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 Brian that we discussed in episode nine. It's worthy of a bit of a deeper dive. It's going to be fun. I want to do that properly. Anyway. 
I'll repeat myself now, but thank you for listening. You've been listening to GSOH. I'm Nico Tatarovich. You can find me on Instagram at realnicotats. That's T-A-T-Z. Um, keep going, guys. Speak to you soon. Love you. Bye. Goodbye. 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 G-S-O-H. Sorry. Remember, if you love the show in a deep and probably unhealthy way, you can help support it on an ongoing and stalky basis on patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club. Uh, your choice. See you soon, you internet weirdos. I'm, I'm one.